0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into another episode
1: of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, my friend? Hello and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. I hope you enjoy this episode featuring an interview with one of our great American singers, this is an interview that originally broadcast on the radio with John Connolly. John Connolly is a country legend, a great recording artist, a member of the Grand Ole Opry. And in this interview, we talk about his career, as well as God, philosophy, and his roots. It was a great interview, and I also wanted to tell you all about something. There is a book, it is a brand new book, by the songwriter Bobby Braddock. It's called Country Music's Greatest Lines, Lyrics, Stories, and Sketches from American Classics. One of the songs that is discussed in the book is Friday Night Blues, written by Sonny Throckmorton and Rafe Van Hoy. Both of them have been guests on this show. But anyways, Bobby has a description of that song, Friday Night Blues, which is a great song, and there's an illustration to match... I suggest you all check out this book. Again, it's called Country Music's Greatest Lines. Anyhow, it reminded me of this interview that I did with John Connolly. He's one of my favorite singers. I was very, very honored to have the opportunity to interview him. I hope I get a chance to interview him again, maybe in person one of these days. Anyhow, in the meantime, let me know what you think of this interview. I hope you enjoy it. One of my favorite John Connolly memories... I was going to see you sing for the very first time, and we were running a little late, and so <laughs> listening to you on the Opry, and just thought we would listen to as much as we could and then get in as quick as we could and see the real thing with it, with our right. own eyes. <laughs> and it was just like perfect timing. We pulled up, we turned the radio off, it seemed like the usher just knew <laughs> these folks want to see the show. And it was, there we were. It's so great to have you here today.
0: Well, thank you. So you made it in, you made it from the radio in the car to the, inside the Opry uh, before I was through. Is that what you're saying? There?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, of course, it wasn't seamless, but it was pretty close.
0: <laughs> pretty close. Well,
1: good. Well, you must have had a good parking place. <laughs> we, we did. We did. It surprised us.
0: Great. Well, good.
1: What has always been the intention with the art that you create?
0: Well, our goal career-wise from the very beginning, once I started doing this, and I kind of backed into it. I was doing what you're doing for a long time. I was in radio. That's the reason I moved to Nashville is because I got a job at a, at a station in Nashville. It's the only reason I came here. And music, the hobby, was still the hobby. But after I got you know like like i say back into it when i started writing and and had the offer to record my goal from begin from the beginning was to be able to create a body of work to not just have one or two hits but to uh, you know uh, to 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 be around long enough to uh, have several hits and and put out several albums and and so forth and we've managed to do that so you know we we've, we've been blessed in that regard Still and still are. By the way, still finding new music to record, and got our own label and so forth. And so, you know, we're still getting to do what I love to do.
1: And like you said, you wanted to create a body of work and have some hits, and you definitely you've done that. Oh yeah. Has that purpose for doing what you do has that changed at all, or is it pretty much the same?
0: It's pretty much the same. Uh, I've changed my focus as far as. Uh, you know, I, I'm more interested now in faith-based music, uh, gospel, and that kind of thing. Uh, we've, we've got one gospel CD out, and uh, we're getting ready to uh, start recording on a on a second edition of that. And we've included several faith-based songs in, in the other CDs we put out. For instance, in the current one, Classics 2, there's a song called Bread and Water that Vince Gill wrote, which is a Story of Redemption. And there will be a couple of songs coming out on the new CD, Classics 3, which we should have out before the year's over, that will have uh, a faith-based theme, if you will, or subject matter uh, as well. And the reason for that is, you know, in the state of our world, if you listen to the news for 15, 20 seconds at any given time, you understand how, how much turmoil our country's in and our world is in. And... It seems plain to me that the only hope we have is to turn back to uh, the only one who can fix it, it and us, and that's God.
1: What does God mean to you?
0: Well, Jesus is my Savior, you know, and uh, that's everything. That's that's the only important thing, really. All the other things we do uh, down here in this classroom we're all in is to, uh, to get ourselves to him. And uh, so that's where my focus is.
1: Everyone has these moments where I mean i don't care if you're a country star or if you're a plumber or a school teacher, where you ask yourself something like, "Why do we do all these things what do you do when you're feeling turmoil what do you do when you're feeling that despair that every human being feels
0: well I go to the word that's that's the uh, that's the the manual we all have that God gave us is the Bible for how to think, how to feel, what to do in any given situation. And it covers any situation that we find ourselves in. So that's uh, that's my main source. Uh, that and prayer, you know, those, those two things will get your train back on your track.
1: Hmm. The man we're talking to is John Conley. I want you to take us back a little bit. What would an average day in the Conley house look like if we could see a snapshot of it when you were growing up?
0: No, when I was growing up, I was on the farm, a working farm that I, and we still have that land, we still have the farm in Kentucky that, where I was raised. It is not the active farm that it was when my dad and, and mom were there and running it, and when that was the full time thing, but that's how I grew up. Grew up showing cattle and 4 H and FFA, and we did, we had, you know, had our own crops and garden and all that stuff. And we also did custom work, or Dad did, for surrounding farmers, baling hay for other people, combining, filling silos, and that kind of stuff. So we were doing our own work, plus all that custom stuff. And I grew up helping him. And did that really past high school a little bit. I jumped off into a funeral profession after I got out of high school, uh, of all things, and did that full-time for six years. And then from there, radio, as far as my own work is concerned. But the farm... Still very much a part of, of my heart and my life. I live on one in Tennessee as well. and You'll find me, you know, outside mowing or in the garden or raise a garden, still can, all that stuff. So that's how I was raised, and it's how I still live as much as I can.
1: When you're a recording artist, do you have to look for the songs to record, or do they find you?
0: Oh, Both. We leave our door open all the time. uh, There are several songs on the uh, current CD. One that comes to mind is Stuff That Works that Guy Clark wrote. And I found that on one of his albums years ago, back in the 90s, and filed it away because I love the song so much. And so we eventually recorded it. And I do that. I I have a sack of songs that I've had sometimes for years, and I don't forget them. And, you know... If there comes a time when they should surface, then 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 I go with them. But other than that, we're always on the lookout for, uh, for new material. And we've been blessed. A lot of the great songwriters have been very uh, willing to give us their best songs. These days, I'll, I'll tell you what's going on in the industry a little bit now that uh, wasn't true several years ago. Some of the great older songwriters who... We're used to um, oh I don't know writing songs that had meat on their bones more than one would hear on new country radios sometimes these days they're frustrated the writers some of those writers are frustrated because the songs that really have meat on their bones and, and a story to tell they can't get cut some of these uh, newer artists just don't hear it they don't hear that kind of music they want the something with a beat and something with a pop feel or whatever and uh, So that leaves some of those great songs still for people like me who appreciate them and they're willing to to lay them on us. And we're certainly willing to do them.
1: (laughs) I hope that what I'm about to say doesn't get me in too much trouble, but uh, (laughs) sometimes I'm, I'm a little puzzled by what takes, in other words, what catches on with the public. I think of a, country song maybe that I've heard of, a demo, and I thought, wow, somebody needs to record this. And then I hear right. what's on the radio, and I think, wow, why did they record that one?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know. It, well, it, 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 it's conf- it's confounding and frustrating a little bit. Now, uh, let me just say this. I've run into a lot of these new artists, on, uh, particularly on the opera stage, when they come to guest with us. I get to introduce them, bring them on, take them off. And they're great folks, they're, uh, you know they're nice people and everything, their hearts in the right place. It's the industry that has uh, you know turned the direction that it has. And you know there's not much you can say about it because some of these people are doing that kind of music and filling stadiums when they sell tickets to the show. So people do like it. It's just as a listener myself, I, it doesn't I can't hang my hat on it. It doesn't do anything for me. It's it's much like now here's another comparison. I came up in the uh, in church singing out of the hymn book uh, during the services, and now we have co- what's called praise and worship music, the new the newer gospel things. Some of them are okay, but they don't have the heart and soul to me as a listener as some of those great old songs out of the hymn book, and so. Same kind of deal, same with country, you know. But fortunately, there are people who still want to hear that classic sound, and that's why we're able to still do 60 or 70 shows a year on the road.
1: In the world of country music, is there a lot of competition amongst the peers?
0: Well, they, sure. I mean, it, there's uh, you know, there's all just like Walmart and Kmart. They compete with each other and, and uh, Sears and all the other stores. And the same is true. I mean, we're all friends and all that. But sure, all the different acts are. There's only so many places to play, so many fairs to do, so many concerts and so forth. So there is some degree of competition. That's that's always been true, and I guess it always will. At the same time, there. Is plenty of opportunity for everybody to uh, to keep working if they choose to, and uh, so that's certainly true for us. I mean, I have no, I turn down dates, and I set a limit on what I do. Of course, I'm about to become 71 years old, so (laughs) I don't have, I don't have the energy that I did uh, when I started doing this. However, I I have more fun singing than ever before. So I do, I do not have a retirement plan. I don't, uh, I don't find that word in my Bible, so I ain't going to do it.
1: Why do you think it is that you're having more fun than ever?
0: Well, for one thing, my voice has held up very, very well. It is easier to sing than ever before. It is mellowed a little bit, and people seem to want to hear it more than ever before as well, but that doesn't, that doesn't hurt either. So all of that being true, you know, it, it just is, it takes less effort, I guess it, uh, is the best way I can say to put it less effort to do it and it's uh, more satisfying because of all that
1: i saw you in concert one time and this guy was sitting next to me and he elbowed me in the rib (laughs) and he said he sounds better now (laughs) than before in other words your voice is getting better
0: well and and i hear that all the time in fact there's a lot of people have said you might want to think about re-recording some of those songs and, and doing them in today's voice And I, of course, we are doing that to a point, to a degree, uh, with some of these things we're doing. But I have thought about doing, uh, you know, say the top 10 hits or something like that, re-recording them in this voice. That's not uncommon either. If you listen to early George Jones and early Ray Price, many people, when they first started recording when they were much younger, their voices uh, were usually higher pitched than uh, in later life. That's particularly true with Ray Price. You know, Ray sounded great early, but he sounded even better in his later life because of that. That mellowing uh, just adds some, uh, you know, some warmth to your voice.
1: Who would you say are the vocalists in country music, or maybe even not in in the genre that have had the biggest influence on you?
0: Probably, I have listened to more R and B people than than anybody else over the years. Uh, and still do. Ray Charles always has been a favorite of mine. B.B. King, Etta James. I love people who sing the soul, whatever the format of the music. It's a, it's also Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra, by the way. And, you know, of course, obviously George Jones, Merle Haggard, Lefty Purcell, any of the soul singers, that's what I listen to still to this day and enjoy that. And that's one of the things, another thing I miss about. The new country, they are just they don't the industry isn't doesn't seem to be looking for that. They don't seem to be looking for those soul singers, and I don't know, you know, I don't hear a new Merle Haggard amongst the new people, and uh, that's frustrating to me. There's no reason I know there's they're out there. I would hope they would find a, one or two of them just by accident, maybe.
1: Something that you just mentioned it, it kind of made me think. You mentioned Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett as being influences of yours, and I've been told, I don't know if this is true, but I've been told that, for example, one of Frank Sinatra's favorite voices was George Jones.
0: And I don't know if, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you why, probably, if if that's true, and Frank was a master of phrasing, and George was too. One of the things about George was he could, uh, you know, and uh, another another great one along that way would be Vern Gostin. Phrasing is so important. And so I can, I can see where that might be true for, uh, for Sinatra. But Sinatra, nobody was better at it than him. He was great.
1: Yeah. We're talking with John Conley, singer, recording artist, entertainer. From all of the universal themes in your music, love, loss, and there are a lot of them in country music, which one would you say has dominated your music?
0: Mm, I hope that, For the most part, the body of work has produced something positive to hang on to. And, you know, I I never was much for just singing about honky-tonking and cheating and all that for its own sake. I think you can take, uh, for for instance, a song like Backside of 30, which talks about breakup. And that's, you know, it was a thing I wrote based on observation. I never fortunately had to go through what that song talks about. The breakup of a marriage and uh, so forth. But uh, hopefully, if you listen to that, you, it, you, it can make you have as a goal not to live that. I guess that's the best way I can put it. So I hope that's what's happened with, with most of the, what I've done. And I've done a lot of songs that talk about working folks, Friday Night Blues, Working Man, for instance, that kind of thing. So I, I hope it's left a positive taste overall in everybody's mind.
1: Not only do you have this powerful singing voice, I have to say, your speaking voice is very powerful. It's a radio voice.
0: Oh, <laughs> you know, what that radio was so important, has been and still is, to my music career. You know, when I look back in my life, everything I've done in my life to make a living, uh, the funeral profession, the radio, the farm, music, all of it's been a ministry, and all of these these different elements have been things I was supposed to do to get me to the next uh, next point in my life. And radio, aside from learning the industry from that side of the industry, so very helpful. It's been helpful when it's come time to do interviews. It influenced the way I sing, literally, because when I listen to my voice on tapes, old tapes before radio, whole different sound, a whole different voice. You know, a kind of an easy folk sound back then. And so radio uh, helped me phrase. It helps with the soul element of it all, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Plus, I loved it. I loved radio with all my heart. What
1: is the biggest compliment you've ever received?
0: Oh, man, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think I think the ones that mean the most is is when somebody says to you, They remember exactly where they were the first time they heard a certain song that or and especially if it's if it's combined with, you know, a memory of some loved one that uh, that maybe is no longer with them and that sort of thing. That happens quite a bit. So I don't know if there's any one compliment, but but that's good. If you can be associated that closely in someone's life, it's such a special moment. That's uh, that's very it's it's a blessing is what it is
1: when somebody experiences your music, whether you're on stage at the Opry, whether someone is in the audience, they're listening on the radio, if they're listening to an album, no matter how they experience it, at the core, what is it that you want people to get from your music?
0: Well, you can't. People ask me all the time, uh, and especially if we say, "Okay, we're going to go do a new album. What are you looking for? Well, you can't tell anybody that. What I want is for the songs to touch somebody's heart for whatever reason. And you can't put yourself in, in their reason. Okay, here's a great one. Rose-colored glasses. On the album cover of the original album, I'm sitting there with a, uh, with a wine glass filled with red wine. And to some people, rose-colored glasses is looking through a wine glass with red wine. To most people, it's looking through the eyeglasses, the pink eyeglasses. So songs can mean different things to different people for different reasons. And you can't, you know, you can't. That's one of the reasons I never like videos much, because they lock you into an image instead of letting it be theater of the mind. And music should be theater of the mind. It should be personal to whatever's going on with you. And beyond that, what you want is the song to touch somebody's heart. That's the way we find them when we're looking for them is we look for the ones that touch our heart, and you can't put a definition on that in advance.
1: For anyone who's listening, whoever, wherever they are, I just want to kind of give you the stage. What would you say to them?
0: Get your priorities right. We live in a distracted world. You look around a restaurant or you look, go into any public gathering and that we you, you look around and everybody has a their phone in their face looking at whatever facebook or whatever and we're we're looking at things and we're we're taking our time up with things that do not matter much <laughs> true <laughs> that's uh, I, you know i mean really it doesn't matter what somebody had for breakfast this morning you know uh, this it, it doesn't and and most of the stuff on tv is trash it is it has no redeeming value at all and what i hope folks will uh, hope our world will, again that's the reason for my focus on on faith because we need to get back to what really matters and and you know let these other things just be light entertainment for a brief period of time that's That's what I hope will happen. I'm not holding my breath, however.
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of what matters, what is the best thing about being John Conley?
0: No, I don't know. Uh, The best thing about being John Conley? You know, I don't know. God put me here for for a purpose he, and he puts everybody here for a purpose it, if we try to pursue it i'm just trying to figure out on a daily basis what that is for today and trying to live it i don't always succeed uh, i have feet of clay with you know the size of concrete blocks walking around but but i'm at least shooting that way and uh, so i'm blessed in a, so many different ways with the family I've had, the raising I had, the opportunities I've had. And I try to remember those blessings all the time.
1: My last question. Everybody knows John Conley, the recording artist, the singer, the entertainer. How would you define John Connolly? Who is John Conley?
0: Well, I think I just did. I, you know, we're as much as I can. At least that's what I hope hope I am, uh, the things we've talked about already, you know. And that's, uh, that's the only way I know to answer you.
1: <laughs> well, for anyone out there, if they want more information, they can visit com. That's C-O-N-L-E-E, com. Thank you so much for spending time with
0: us. Uh, my pleasure. Great to talk to you, and we uh, hope to see you soon one of these days.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. God bless. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band, written by Irving Berlin, performed by Dan Barrett. Outro scatting G-Things, improvised, performed, and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time. Goodbye.